1: That's Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky
0: Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: Hi, this is Deep Tran.
1: I'm Jose Solis.
2: And we're your token theater friends, people who love theater so much that I'm not entirely sure if I'm okay with political pundits using Avita memes.
1: I mean, especially not when it's that person. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. How, how did you feel about uh, the Lincoln Project's Avita Trump Avita ad?
1: Well, I mean, it was like clearly what he was going for. Because remember, like it is so disturbing—we're living in the apocalypse. It's like dystopia. It's like the end. It's everything at once. Because Evita is one of his favorite musicals. You know that, right? Yes. Yeah. So I'm like, girl, has this is this what you have been going for all this time? I mean, with like the really like yeah, but also like the blonde. Do you think he went blonde for Evita? I'm like, come on. So I don't know how I feel about that to be honest, because I love Evita so much, and although Eva Peron herself. You know, I have problems, issues with Eva Perona, what she meant in terms of like, you know, like being friends with fascists and all of that. I love Evita and there's nothing about this administration or about this man that I'm ever going to love. So I, don't, I still don't know how I feel about any of that.
2: Yeah. He's never going to be a gay icon. Fuck no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, like grabbed all of us and like brainwashed us and tortured us and like forced us to like love him or something like that. Gross. I don't know. But no, God, no.
2: Oh, my God. Do you think, like, in 50 years, someone's going to do an Evita revival and it's going to be Trump set? Ew. Because I feel like someone's going to try it if we're all still alive.
1: Ew. I mean, Melania has one person. God, no. And what, like, Claudia Conway is going to be Jay? <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: No, please, God. Save me, rescue me from that future. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't.
2: I don't want it.
1: I don't want that timeline, no.
2: I feel like anything related to the Trump administration in 2020, like, I don't want to see any media about that until I'm dead.
1: There's that Showtime or Stars of Whatever show that's already happening. That's like so gross. Did, you've seen that, right?
2: No, I did see the, the, um, the Michael Cohen show. Or, was it Michael? Or, or Jeff Bridges is playing, uh, no, 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 Jeff Bridges is playing, uh, oh my god, oh my god, the FBI agent, uh, her emails. No, her emails.
1: no mom, Jeff Daniels is playing
2: Comey. <laughs> okay, yes, okay.
1: You're like, Sorry. a white Jeff.
2: Yeah, one of the white chefs. who was middle aged.
1: The only reason why I'm, what I even consider like maybe like watching that was because I love Holly Hunter and she plays Sally Yates. But I'm like, nope, I'm, I cannot, I cannot with this. So like, it's already happening. So the Evita Trumpita thing is going to be happening at some point.
2: Well, I look forward to seeing your version.
1: Online. My version. <laughs> God, I hope no. Let's just.
2: Yeah, I tweeted it, and someone was like, did Jose write this? Yeah, And I'm no. like, wow, no. the brand is strong.
1: I don't know. Like, we should stop talking about this man. When he was, like, out and I saw him, like, doing all his, like, you know, like, crazy nonsense in the balcony, the first thing that I immediately thought was, like, dexamethasone me from my head to my toes. Because <laughs> <laughs> that motherfucker was rainbow high.
0: <laughs> right?
1: did of you hear that steroids that <laughs> you, like, yeah. He was, yes, I know. He was high AF. I mean, imagine, I kind of felt, like, good for him that he was so high.
2: Except then he started, uh, can you do a parody about all the tweeting?
1: Oh, yeah. I, that
2: was a rainbow high.
1: That was, yeah. I was like, you go, girl. Like, go get, people should not be in control of the nuclear codes. If they're going to be, like, rainbow high like that, right?
2: Mm-mm. I, I need you to hook up with Brandy Rainbow and just, and do that. That would that actually fit the rhyme scheme, and I am so proud of you.
1: Randy Rainbow, hi. <laughs> okay, let's talk about shows before we give more attention to this man.
2: Okay, what shows are we talking about today?
1: We saw two film and TV versions of shows that we know. Uh, we're going to be talking about The Boys in the Band, which is on Netflix. And then we saw the Prime Video series, The Goes Wrong Show, which is a version of The Play That Goes Wrong. Uh, but instead, it's like tiny episodes, and it's very funny. So shall we start with the boys?
2: Yes, let's talk about the boys. Oh.
1: <laughs> that's that's my review.
2: I've never seen it, and then I watched it. I'm like, oh my god, I am so excited to talk to Jose about this, because I know he's going to have h- opinions about Robin de Jesus. <laughs> Give me all of your opinions.
1: I have a really soft spot for Robin, and I was very glad. Didn't he get like Tony nominated for the Broadway version? Mm-hmm. He was, in fact, like the... I don't know. I don't like when... It's not his fault, obviously, but I don't like when white writers and white directors um ask BIPOC performers to do almost like parodies of, you know, themselves. Not themselves as the person, but of what they think the person represents. We saw it in that show, whose name I won't say, because, like, I don't want to get death threats anymore. Um... But it's, it was exactly that, right? Where you grab like uh, a Latinx character, a Latino character, and just ask them to like amp it up to like Sofia Vergara, just for the sake of allowing the white audience to like, oh, he must be Latino, <laughs> right? Because there's no other reason. And I do like Robin De Jesus a lot. I think he did what he was asked to do and he did it well. But it's very troubling that It's such a cliche-ridden character in a play that basically, well, in a film adaptation of a play that basically glorifies the suffering of white gay men and how they are the only population that matters when we're talking about LGBTQI uh, people. So I fucking hated this thing.
2: Thank you for watching it for me. The Boys in the Band, the film, is based on The Boys in the Band, the play, which was a 1968 play by Mark Crowley, who actually died earlier this year. Not from COVID. He just was old. And (laughs) I love that. And it was revolutionary for its time because it was one of the first mainstream portrayals of gay men and the double lives that they lead. And I believe it kind of fell out of favor with the LGBT community around the 70s and 80s with Stonewall. And then it got back into favor very recently with the 2018 Broadway revival. And then Ryan Murphy saw the Broadway revival and he produced it for Netflix. I was watching it and it's set in late 60s, early 70s. You would know it's a period piece. As When I was watching it, I, I was like two minds about it. I was like, okay, I could see how these portrayals of these men at the time was was new like it was talking very candidly about how torturous it feels to not be your authentic self and at the same time i was just also wondering why am i watching this in 2020 what is there anything that this play is telling me right now
1: that that ryan murphy has compromised on netflix otherwise why are they (laughs) letting him do all these things that's, it must be the only reason, right? There's
2: nothing about this that is relevant right now. You think?
1: I mean, do you think anything's wrong? Yeah. I
2: don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not. In, I'm not part of the.
1: No, but I mean, but you're like a, you're like an informed, smart audience member who knows actual gay people, gay men specifically in real life. This is not how, right? I mean, see, I, I'm not even making sense. I sound like Will from Will and Grace right now, just like. <laughs>
2: I could see that part about... Because you and I have always talked about how the gay community is really cruel to each other in terms of just the unrealistic body image expectations and just the machismo of it all. And so maybe that could be an angle. I don't know.
1: You know what I think is an angle? How it's white gay men in like their 40s and 50s, which is the average age of, like, the cast in this, right? They insist on calling themselves boys. And I'm like, you stop being boys, like, three decades ago. That's the only thing that I was like, this is relevant. The men, the actress in this uh, production, in this film version, are really handsome men, right? Why do they all look like... You remember that marionette? That creepy marionette from, like, the 50s? That, uh, what was his name? Like, Charlie something? It was, like, they all look really, like plastic. And I don't like to comment on the appearance of actors, but don't they all look like they have too much makeup on? They look like they have too much face tune on? And that's probably because they're like playing really, really young men when none of the men in you know, none of the actors are that age anymore. So it's very strange. It was almost like a perverse like Sunset Boulevard kind of production for me. Like I saw Ryan Murphy, like, wanting to preserve this piece that's no longer relevant. And, like, what's that thing where you preserve things? Like, that bug from- Amber? Yes, from Jurassic Park. It's kind of like that. It's wanting to preserve this piece that's no longer relevant by even, I don't know, making it even, like, look terrible and, like, look like it's been polished too much. I was like, Zachary Quinto, you have not been 30 for, like, 100 years. Like, who are you kidding? (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's around the 32nd birthday of one of the characters, played by Zachary Quinto, who they say is ugly, but then you're just like, it's Zachary Quinto. That is not believable, even if you put a really bad wig on him.
1: Yes, we have seen his abs, and he's 43, so he stopped being 32 even a decade ago.
2: It's so nice, though. It's, you rarely see men playing younger.
1: Well, yeah, I know, right? If white gay men love commenting on the looks of female actors, I guess we're allowed to say how terrible everyone looked in this movie. Except for Robin. Robin looked gorgeous.
2: Yeah, yeah. Robin and... uh Oh my god. Who, who Who is the black actor?
1: I forgot his name. It's so white. Let me see.
2: It's so white.
1: Boys in the band.
2: I don't actually understand why the title is that. They're not in a band? They're not getting the band back together. They've been in contact.
1: It's Michael Benjamin Washington.
2: Michael Benjamin Washington, oh yes, 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 A a Fires in the Mirror.
1: Oh yeah. Which was
2: a better showcase of his talent than whatever the heck he was not able to do in Boys in the Band because he was like the other BIPOC character, of which there was just one in like a 10 member cast, just off to the sidelines, just supporting the white people and all their fuckery.
1: I mean, that's exactly what this play is, uh, and what the movie is. And it's not even like a well-made movie. Like.
2: It's just a play.
1: Yeah, but was it me or it like. It like a play. But nothing about it, you know, the, none of the performances were modulated for a camera. They were all like acting like they're all freaking Norman Desmond, larger than life. And like that guy from the Big Bang Theory, what's his name? Jim Parsons.
2: Mm-hmm. Ooh.
1: I was like, holy shit.
2: I think the reason, actually, that you didn't feel like it was well-made for the screen was because Joe Mantello directed it, and he directed the Broadway revival, and he's a fine director. Like, some, there are some very stylish shots, like the shots of Zachary Quinto coming up the stairs, and you see the rings on his hand. I was very into that. I love little detailed shots. Did you notice, like, why they use a fish lens so much? Like, that little fish eye lens? It made their faces look gigantic.
1: And they also looked like they were made out of plastic. I think it was like that thing where Ryan Murphy was like, boys, we have Netflix money. So they're like, let's use every lens and let's try to do everything. Let's try to do everything we can with this. I really like Joe Mantello. And this is like me being just like uh, exaggerating things. But uh, I feel like Ryan Murphy is one of those creatives right now who gets control over everything, even if it's not necessarily directing the shows that he's in. If it's a Ryan Murphy production you sense him hovering over everything. You know, it kind of fits into the uh, Ryan Murphy universe where, like, everything's, like, too much, a little bit too much, right? And I fear that maybe he had too much of a say in what Joe Mantello wanted to do because, like, the performances, you know, those performances kind of work on stage, but they definitely don't work on film anymore. Unless yeah. it's silent film.
2: <laughs> uh, maybe if it's camp. They were so close to getting over to the other side of it.
1: The film itself is so lacking in self awareness of what it is as a film. Didn't you, like, get the sense, like, when this thing ended, you know, like, when they shot, when they wrapped production, they were like, oh, we're gonna change the world, and we're gonna change the people from the South when they see how amazing gays are. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, this film is, like, empty. It's, like, so shallow. And it's not a good movie, so. I don't even know what to say.
2: I feel like the characters aren't really characters, because when when it was written, it was very much like, I want to offer you a panorama of what the experience is like, which means nobody is well-developed, aside from maybe Jim Parsons' character, and you still can't figure out why he's so pissed off all the time and why they're all friends with him. It's like, I love my friends, but even if they insulted me that much in one evening, like, no, no. No, especially if I was like the only person of color in the room, like, and just got punched to like, no, like, why would you stay there?
1: <laughs> Have you ever been to Julius?
2: No, what is that?
1: It's one of like the classic uh, gay bars in the West Village. It's like a block from Stonewall. It's one of the iconic bars, one of the iconic gay bars in New York. And the movie kind of feels like Julius because Julius is basically attended by gay men, mostly white gay men who were around during Stonewall. So the amount of bitchery and camp, and but also humor, that's what Julius feels like. But there is a sense of humor, and it's not mean. And boys in the band, all the characters are just mean. Why are they friends?
2: Why are they friends? At the end, when Zachary Quinto was like, I'll call you tomorrow to, to Jim Parsons' character, that was, you know, that's just something about friendship, about how strong these friendships are, because they need to be strong. But at the same time, it doesn't give you an excuse to just be mean to each other with for no reason.
1: No, I think it's like one of the most pervasive cliches that exists when it comes to gay men. And it's that they're supposed to be mean to each other. And also by default, be mean to other people, which is something that white gay men continue perpetuating. Like I said before, you know, like if you go to like fashion blogs and like stuff like that, white gay men are always talking about women's faces. And I'm like, motherfucker, have you looked at yourself in a mirror recently? This feels like a relic already, this movie. I don't know. There's much more interesting things to watch on Netflix that are queer.
2: Yes. Recommendations, Jose. Give people the recommendations.
1: Just don't watch this. Watch anything but this.
2: (laughs) Uh, Pose is great. Ryan Murphy may have created it, but Janet Mock is the showrunner. So Pose is great.
1: I mean, go Janet. Let's move on. I don't want to talk about Ryan Murphy anymore.
2: All right. We're going to have to when the prom comes out.
1: The only reason for that is Meryl and Nicole. So yes, I'll put myself through that.
2: (laughs) Okay, our next show is, is the Goes Wrong show that's made by the same production, the same British production company as the people who made the play that Goes Wrong, which was on Broadway for like a couple of years and then it moved off Broadway. And it's basically a slapstick evening at the theater where a bunch of actors are trying to put on a show and, you know, things go awry, set pieces fall, people fall off set pieces Lines get flubbed, props don't work. It's not deep. You know, it's not profound. You're just going to go and laugh and feel better about your life. And for actors, you know, who go through so much when they're making shows. And The Goes Wrong Show, at, it's 10 30-minute episodes on Amazon Prime. And Jose and I watched two. And they do the same thing, but within different plays within 30-minute time period. The conceit is the same. They try to do a show, and it doesn't go that well, and it's funny. Turn off your brain. Just turn off your brain. Just don't expect anything. I feel like it does get a little bit old, so it's not a bingeable thing. You know, if you need something to cleanse your brain at the the end of the day, this is a fun 30 minutes to spend.
1: You saw it on Broadway, right? Yeah, I did. Did you enjoy it on Broadway?
2: Yeah. I mean, I really enjoy when big set pieces fall. That's really fun.
1: You were like, neutral chaos.
2: Exactly. Smash it all.
1: So you just said that this thing isn't bingeable. I watched every episode. I loved this show so much. Like I loved it. Like I had to like ration it by the end because I was like, Oh no, I'm, I'm, I'm almost done with all of them. I couldn't stop. I watched like my stomach hurt from laughing. I fed myself a little edible every time before I had to watch it and then During one of the episodes, I was eating cereal also because like cinnamon, what's that cereal called? Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Yeah. Came up with like a churro version and it's like my favorite thing in the world right now. So I filled a bowl with those and like some oat milk and I almost choked. I'm not kidding. I almost choked because I was laughing so much, so hard from watching this. I thought it was absolutely genius and I couldn't stop because it's like, I love the fact that It's a series, yes, and it's self-contained episodes, but the troupe in the actual show, it's like so meta because it's like actors playing actors playing characters. So (laughs) the actors as characters, you kind of become familiar because they each have their thing. You know, there's this woman who's always like looking at the you know, like at the audience and like throwing those like come hither looks. There's this guy who I loved so much who's, like, always, like, he lives for the applause, like, go Lady Gaga. And, like, whenever, like, someone, like, cheers, he does the same thing over and over and over again. And I found it so endearing. And there's this, like, really hot, like, prop guy who's always, like, just, like, walking.
2: (laughs) It's, like, splashing water or, like, accidentally hitting people.
1: It reminded me a lot of, like, Benny Hill and, like, Monty Python. I just found it so delicious. It was so refreshing And like you said at the beginning, it really made me miss live theater because it's one of those, the show will go on kind of thing where it's like, oh my God, which episodes did you watch?
2: Oh, I watched the first and second episode.
1: So it was the, was it the one about like the Nazis and the one about... Yeah,
2: yeah. The horror, the the lodge. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Oh my God. You need to go watch. I mean, maybe you don't need to, but maybe, I don't know if your dad, cause like, it felt like a very dad show to me.
2: It's such a dad
1: show. Yeah. Like I told my father, like, you need to watch this right now. You need to watch or have your dad watch the, um, like the law show, like the jury episode and also one called 90 degrees, uh, which is supposed to be set in this, like, you know, like southern. So it's like the Brits doing like American Southern accents. It's called 90 oh my degrees. God. Yeah. And it's supposed to be this like wet, like moist southern drama about like a dad dying. It's like very Tennessee Williams, but it's like just to give you an idea of the kind of humor that they're going for here. At the beginning of the show, in like a very like I'm Laura Linney and this is PBS masterpiece, the director comes out and tells the audience, you know, like we're about to see a play, and this is what the play's about. But he also lets people know that something went wrong even before the play started. And in the case of 90 Degrees, for instance, he tells people that the set designers read the name of the show and assumed that the sets were supposed to be built at 90 Degrees. <laughs> <laughs> it is incredible. Like, I, you know, like, yeah, you need to like get stoned or something or like get a few drinks or whatever. But this is like such a bomb. I loved it so much.
2: For me, it, I had the same feeling as when I watched the Bravo show, which is how they do that. Especially because this version, there's like 10 different sets that just all that all look different and, and have a different aesthetic and they all fall apart in different ways. And I'm just like, oh my God, so much money was put into this because it is much easier to do a show that goes right than a show that goes wrong.
1: I know, right? Because it's also like such testament to the fact that this is, they're directing chaos. One of the reasons I think why I found the show so bingeable and so addictive was because We are living in chaos right now, but no one is directing it. Like, we have no idea what the fuck is going to happen with this pandemic. You know, the nuclear codes were given to, like, a mad person. No one's in control. So the fact that I was watching chaos that was controlled and that was directed by someone and that was done with care and appreciation for the craft of theater, of filmmaking, and of television actually gave me such relief. I was like, I wish the people who are directing this show were directing the world right now.
2: Oh, my God. Would you want to see them do a version of this presidency?
1: God, no. Don't fuck that presidency. (laughs) (laughs) I do, however, want to see them do a version of Evita.
2: (laughs) And then she falls off the balcony.
1: And play over.
2: I know. I've always wanted to ask them, like... I feel like it must be so meticulously timed. How do you know when something actually goes wrong? Because in live theater, something always goes wrong.
1: I guess for them, if something went wrong, would be something actually going right, right? I mean, like a set not falling apart. Oh my God, you need to watch 90 Degrees because like, there's a dog and it's... Like <laughs> it's like this like robot dog on a skateboard. It is amazing. It's amazing.
2: So much money. The Brits give their masterpiece theater so much money would like to see the same here
1: yeah because it was also like a celebration of like what a live audience does to theater which is why Mm -hmm. it felt like theater to me because you know the audience was reacting and i always love to hear you know in the laugh tracks like with the live audience i always love to hear the one person who laughs louder than everyone else because they just can't help it and there's like plenty of those in this show i loved it so much
2: yeah, it's like chaotic SNL.
1: Yes, yes, but actually, funny SNL hasn't been funny for. for yeah,
2: forever. yeah, SNL's not consistent. This is actually pretty consistently funny because it's you know it's camp, it's pratfalls, it's it's like optical, really cool optical illusions that you don't realize are optical illusions until the things fall apart, and you're like, oh my god, how did they design that set? Like, I was just trying to figure out mentally like how this is all happening.
1: And also, like, me wondering, like, how are these actors not breaking? I would die.
2: Yes! Such professionals. Did, do you remember uh, our interview with Harriet Defoy And she was talking about how she would love to do the play that goes wrong?
1: Yes. Oh, my God.
2: Someone call her. Call her to do this show. Call her.
1: Or can you imagine, like, a P-Valley episode that goes wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Just stay away from the polls, girls. Don't, don't get on the polls.
2: Yeah, don't do acrobatics on the pole. They're not stable.
1: It's like so funny because like I was watching it and I remember this one time that I, I interviewed Isabella Pear. I always want to ask actors this question. And I always forget to ask. And I was like, what do you do when you need to like sneeze or yawn? <laughs> so Isabella Pear was telling me the adrenaline usually prevents you from that. Like, cause you're like so in the moment that you can't help it. But then she was playing, I think it was, uh, Mary Queen of Scots or something in Paris last year. And she sneezed when the curtain went up and someone in the front row went like, bless you. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I love when shows go well, but it's such testament to why I miss theater so much, you know, li- live theater so much and like being there so much that that whole thing of being in community and laughing with someone and multiplying that with like lots of people made me um wish that we were in pre-March times more than...
2: You you, you can try to be an audience member on SNL. They're paying them now.
1: Oh, God, no. I would No, I want to laugh. I don't want to go to SNL.
2: You might see Jim Carrey play Joe Biden. All right. Well, if you want to watch The She Goes Wrong Show, it is now available on Amazon Prime. Get high. Get drunk. Binge it. Yeah. Have a laugh. And uh, who did we interview today?
1: Our guests today are Eva Noblezada and Lea Salonga, who are starring in the new film Yellow Rose, which is about a Filipino-American young woman, played by Eva, who finds out her mom uh, is undocumented. And when her mom is sent to like prison, because this is how this country works, she must find a way to survive and thrive. And she also happens to be very talented and dreams of becoming a country musician. So we talked to Eva and Leia. Oh, my God. Like, I love them both so much. We talked to Eva and Leia about a bunch of stuff, including the movie, obviously, and video games and what they have been up to during quarantine.
2: Yeah. So let's go to that interview.
1: Leia Salonga and Eva Nobosada, thank you so much for for joining us. I was so excited when I saw that the two of you were in Yellow Rose mostly because I had a very nerdy question to ask you. And it's like, when I've interviewed interviewed you separately, I'm obsessed with the fact that you play video games together and that you're, like, both huge video game nerds. So, I mean, (laughs) can we start talking about that? Like, have you been playing a bunch of video games in quarantine?
3: I mean... Oh.
0: Okay, you first.
3: I will say, I've never actually had the opportunity to play with you. Like, actually, like... I have a controller. You have a controller. We're having a great time. A waddle of wine's open. We're playing. <laughs> I've never had that. It actually sounds a lot of fun. But no, I haven't been playing much in quarantine just because I've been trying to do everything I can to stay sane and to make, take money from people who have a lot of it.
0: <laughs> good plan. Good plan. Thank you. <laughs> um, in quarantine, what have I played? I've played... A little bit of Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which is incredible. Um, I've played Kingdom Hearts, which is really cute. It's like playing Final Fantasy with Disney characters. And then there's Final Fantasy VII, which is a remake of a previous Final Fantasy game, but because the technology has advanced so far since the original Final Fantasy VII was produced stuff has changed. The The story arc pretty much remains the same, but now all the bells and whistles are just like jacked up. And there are a few more additional elements to it that take advantage of the tech. And it's just breathtakingly beautiful and, and quite addicting. I, I remember just sitting on the couch in my den playing this and I look to my left, and I see the sun coming up. I'm like, yep, I've been sitting here a while. (laughs) Yeah, you get really obsessed really, really fast, and the characters are actually very fully developed. The voice acting is fantastic. Um, I can't really find anything wrong with it, except it takes a lot to get past the very first boss. It's difficult. But the cool thing about it is that you learn the hard way exactly which buttons to push in order to get your desired result. Mm. So, yeah, so they, they make it tough, but they make it tough for a good reason. And so I'm not angry at the game. <laughs> game. So now I'm waiting for the next Assassin's Creed, not the next one to come out, which is Valhalla. And I think it's supposed to be really violent and bloody because we're talking Vikings now. Oh yeah, to England. So it's like, isn't there like a series called like Vikings on the History Channel?
3: Yeah, there so, is. There's, Vi- there's yeah. a Vikings one and like another like like more starzy Showtimey. Yeah, I one. think it's yeah. stars. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So I remember seeing maybe one or two episodes of Vikings and thinking, if that, if 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 Valhalla is going to be anything like that, this is going to rock so hard. I'm going to, <laughs> it's like, goodbye, sleep. That's not going to happen. So, yeah, my my Thanksgiving is going to be very, very happy.
3: Is this on PS4? <laughs> so
0: what is what, what console you both, think? Both the PS4 and Xbox. So, yay. Yay.
1: I probably shouldn't have started asking about video games because I thought there were going to be like amazing stories about the two of you playing on set while you were, you know, while we were in between.
0: No, uh, I I hate games to shoot. So (laughs) (laughs) I I tend to be antisocial when it comes to video games. I mean, there are people who like to play Overwatch or PUBG and socialize and play with their friends. My daughter does that. I'm kind of antisocial with video games. I don't like I agree. to people. I don't like interacting with actual human <laughs> beings. I'm just... Period. I'm an, I'm an introvert. <laughs> you know, I, I jokingly say because I hate people. I mean, I don't in real life. But when I'm playing a game, I'd like to just focus on my solitude and isolation and just go through this adventure on my own.
3: Yeah, but it t- yeah. it requires focus, and not everyone understands that. Sometimes I'll be like, "Oh my god, look at this meme," and I'm like, "Shut up." I I like people-ish. I don't like company.
0: <laughs> well, maybe it depends on the company and yeah. when the company. Yeah,
3: I don't mind. The only company I've had for the past seven months is Reeve and he hasn't gotten tired of me yet. But so, <laughs> 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 like he <laughs> <you> would. <laughs>
0: he could. He probably is. I just don't I, I don't think so. <laughs>
3: But yeah, that'd be cool. I have to download GTA and Tomb Raider because I'm playing Call of Duty. The last time I played it was like four months ago because I got really stressed. I was like, I need to hit hit a Nazi. But I got got really stressed, but I need to download those two other games. And I kind of want to get Guitar Hero just because I'm feeling crazy. I I don't know. I just... I, I just know that I'll buy the guitar, I'll have one really fun night, and then I'll see the guitar and get very annoyed, because I live with an actual musician, and the fact that I'm playing that kind of guitar and having,
0: like, it in a corner. It'll be <laughs> hilarious, because I know some guitar players that have played Guitar Hero, and they and all are horrible. At one it. of them has says, it's actually harder playing Guitar Hero than the actual guitar. Wow. So it was like, so okay,
2: make Reef Carney play Guitar Hero.
0: Can I actually? We that that actually one. would be something. That would be online content I would want to watch. I just want to see wanna, how he's able to negotiate that. That would
3: actually be very funny. But you should probably try that. We'll have it be a surprise. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my god! I'm. It, it comforts me so much to hear both of you say that you're introverts because I'm the same way. Where I tell when I tell people I'm a journalist and I'm also an introvert, they're very surprised. Because my job is talking Why? to people, because but I actually don't like being around actual people in my real life, which makes quarantine a really great experience for <laughs> me.
0: Actually, I know. I'm like, yeah, isolation, solitude. Woo! <laughs> I know. It, it seems it seems like a very wrong thing to say, and and you know that my quarantine experience has actually been quite invigorating and educational and lovely and quiet and restful and Mm. there are a lot of people who can't relate to to how I'm dealing with it I'm like it's okay everybody will have their own quarantine experience everybody's gonna have everybody's gonna have their own takeaway from this some people are going to thrive in isolation my daughter is the same as me and she's doing online schooling Mm. and She's happy because she gets to distance herself from teenage drama. So yeah. she's, she's like, I'm, I, I like this. I like this. I like being in my room and doing schooling this way. Like, yeah, you're definitely my child. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're definitely my kid. She loves video games. She loves to sing. She loves musical theater. Uh, a lot of kids are her age are listening to pop music. I listen to more pop music than she does. She's going to log on to like Broadway HD or whatever and watch an American. Oh yeah. And be really happy with stuff like that. That's she likes, and she loves me. Those two are like on uh, constant repeat for mm-hmm. her. So I'm like, I'm not going to tell you not to watch musical theater. That would be <laughs> hypocritical. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's like no, no, no one should ever discount or poo-poo anybody else's quarantine experience only because it, it's unique to you and how yeah. you respond to it is how you respond to it. I mean, I do love my friends, but I, I'm i perfectly happy entertaining myself at home. Um, yeah, I'm like this anyway, even without a pandemic. So it's all good. Yeah, that's nice.
1: One of the biggest, uh, one of the saddest things for me this during this whole time has been the fact that I won't get to see both of you on the big screen because you were both luminous in, in the film. And awesome. I was hoping you could talk a little bit about, you know, like, Leia, like, you're in, in a few scenes, but you leave such a, you know, you're so powerful. And I was like, I would love to hear you talk about how you built that, you know, that relationship that we see in the film. Because, like, I could imagine, you know, Leia, your character's backstory. I was like, I want to know how she got to be how she was
0: that's the nice thing about something where the backstory is not so defined um but because i have relatives like that i i didn't have to do a whole lot of research to figure (laughs) her out which which is a great thing and a not so great thing you know as far as members of my family are concerned but yeah it's nice for people to be able to look at her and just try to imagine and fill in the blanks on their own as to what her story might have been, and how did she get to America? How did she get married to this person? How did she wind up in this situation where she does have some affluence and um, you know be and to find herself in a position where she 's actually able to help somebody um and I won't spoil the rest of it. I mean, there, there is that. But, yeah, she's not exactly the most likable person. And it's nice to be able to play against what people might expect um, of me. Um, because I tend to be, yeah, the one that people tend to like in a show or whatever. So it's nice to actually be somebody that no one knows how they're going to feel about her mm. at, at whatever point. Um, it was also really helpful um, that my scenes were shot at the very beginning of the the process of making this film, only because, I mean, our two characters, Eva's and mine, aren't exactly, you know, chummy with one another. <laughs> and if, if if we had actually filmed it much later in the process, I think it would have been much more difficult to kind of, Backpedal into a place where <clears throat> there is tension and there is um, an obvious emotional separation between the two.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Now I love what you were saying, Leah, about playing against type. Because even when I saw you on screen, I was thinking, "Oh my god, her aunt's late. Leah's so a longer. She, she's going to save her, and it's gonna, all going to be okay." And then it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's it. <right. laughs> Psych. <laughs> <laughs> that's not gonna happen
2: yeah but i'm actually really curious about like because the two of you play filipino-americans so rarely on stage or on screen Mm -hmm. and the movie talks so much about and and especially within the interactions between the two of you about class within the community the filipino-american community about like the division between undocumented and those who are citizens. And so were you hoping to like create conversation within a community around these issues, especially right now?
0: Right. Um, so much of, so much credit for that goes to Diane, um, mm-hmm. because she was one of the ones that wrote the film. And if conversations start coming up as a result of watching this, if if people see what's happening and find themselves relating to the people and the situations, then, then I guess all of us as a collective part, you know, and part of this movie will have done something good if yeah. it sparks that. But I think, I think any Filipino American will have been witness to that kind of classism within the community.
1: Eva, there have been two moments during quarantine where you have completely like blown my mind. And the first one was, holy fuck, what was that incredible rendition of The man That Got Away in the Night of a Thousand Judies.
3: Oh, oh, oh.
1: I, that was incredible. It was like an opera almost in like four minutes because like you acted the entire song without like, you know, like leaving the shot and I was like, I cannot wait to see you direct a film or something at some point. And the other moment was when I was like, I love the poster for the film so much and you shot the picture in your home. So
3: oh, well, didn't, they were like, go to Brooklyn to photographer. I was like, absolutely not. I was like, I barely <laughs> left my house. What makes you think I'm going to go and go sit in the studio and have somebody I don't know shoot picture? But yeah, it was kind of funny because they sent me like, well, first off, I don't know if I should be saying this, but I think it's very funny. I was blonde and did obviously do not have a fringe right now. So all of that crap is totally edited. That was like, to- like. And also they sent me like budget version of the costume. And like in the film, my final scene shirt, it's like a beautiful silk, like Western shirt with like a silk red tie and like a really nice hat. They sent me like, it was like cloth. It was like, it was like, <laughs> it was like a craft, craft material for clothing. Um, and thankfully my partner had bought me the guitar in the film for Christmas you know, for, because he's perfect. And so I have that, that was like the only bit of authenticity I had. I mean, I was wearing fuzzy socks in the shoot for Pete's sake, but he was literally shot on an iPhone, edited bangs, like edited hair color. It was just kind of like exactly what you'd expect for (laughs) a quarantined photo shoot. So yeah, that was kind of crazy (laughs) that that we were able to do that.
1: That's pretty cool. Cause like, I'm curious, you know, like I, again, like I was like, Eva, like you're a natural born director and apparently also a natural born photographer. So like, what are some skills that you have picked up in quarantine that you certainly like, Oh, I never thought that I was going to be doing this in my whole life.
3: Pole dancing. I'm very good at that. I'm extremely good at that. Um, uh, talking to myself a lot more just cause like I am, I'm like 30% introvert, 70%. I, don't, I wouldn't say extrovert. I, hope, I think there's a middle ground. I can't think of the, uh, the Bernard, word for that. Is that the one? I think so, yes. I have. I get major social anxiety. So in fact, now that I've been quarantined, if I were to go back into a setting with people, I would freak out. Um, I would not. I don't handle those well. Um, and I don't have my doctor anymore to give you beta blockers, so <laughs> I'm like trying to make sure that I don't go into situations like that. Um, but yeah, I would say pole dancing. I've been reading a lot and re- reading a book, two books right now, one called Braiding Sweetgrass. I just want to get, like, take a juicy bite into the mysterious world of, of uh, the dark side of capitalism. I'm like trying to, I'm going into that direction with my mind right now. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I know the FBI agent's watching right now and I <laughs> you're doing your job, but also like, what the hell is going on in this country? And I'm also reading a, I'm reading a book called Braiding Sweetgrass and a book called Blood and Government, The War and Race, about um, imperialism and colonialism in the Philippines. Um, just because I think this is a perfect time for me to start understanding, quite literally, the history, both political and historical, for America, and also for the Philippines. Just because you know, I might—I think that's important for me to learn. But other than that, I don't know. I—I'm I, not actually picking up skills. I—I I just am trying to literally be sane. My partner loves—he he can work all day and be happy. I. I actually miss my friends. I don't have any friends in New York, but I, all my friends are in London. I, I go a little crazy at times. But I think that's, um, I just ride the wave.
2: <laughs> yeah, the, what I've been trying to tell myself during this time is the way I feel today isn't going to be the way I feel an hour from now or tomorrow. And you just got to feel your yeah. feelings.
3: Oh, yeah. Uh, I also, I've also been painting. Like, I, oh, I've, I, I'm, I'm actually not horrible at it. Uh, and I just finished a... 30 by 40 inch canvas, which is Ooh. the biggest one I've done so far. So I have to go back down to Blick. I love saying that in the Filipino accent. It's an art material store in New York City. I have to go back and I want to see if I can get a bigger one. But yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. You have more room in your apartment than I thought. Wow. Well, no, this is my, no, I, no, I, my actual apartment is being my friend staying there right now. So like, I have to keep everything in like a tiny corner here because he has a lot of stuff.
2: Did you get any uh, guitar playing tips from Reeve during the process? For maybe?
3: no, I didn't know him then. We were not together then. The universe was like, wait, just wait. Uh, no, I didn't. Get, I didn't get any tips from anybody. I literally went back in, and it sounded like shit. To be honest with you, like the first day of filming, we did a scene where I have to play the guitar for Diane's daughter, who plays Leia's daughter in the film, and that was terrifying like I haven't played turn in front of anybody in literally eight years and then you tell me to play in front of a child and click keep her <laughs> entertained that's kind of like kind of fucked up. like why would you ask me that? <laughs> like because you know that she's gonna be like that's horrible I don't know because she's very outspoken that little girl and I love her very much but she would easily be like why are you doing this but yeah I was very bad
1: I'm really curious, you know, fingers crossed someday we'll all be able to gather and go see a show again. And I wonder when the time comes for theaters to reopen all over the world, are you looking forward more to being in a show or to seeing a show?
3: Oh. I want to be a part of experiencing a live performance again, I, but I am not at all... Excited to date shows a week. I am excited to uh, continue to receive a weekly paycheck because New York rents expensive and no one cares about Mm -hmm. the arts. So this is why I literally (laughs) said to my concert agent, I was like, Hey, if there are any like rich white people who need to do like live video concerts or like socially distanced concerts, please let me know. (laughs) Cause your your girl needs
0: to pay her rent. (laughs) (laughs) Would I, what would I want to do uh, once we're able to both, I think. I get a thrill out of being in the audience and kind of just getting lost in a show or a concert performance. Um, but it's also so much fun to perform. Mm. I miss performing. I haven't performed on stage since March of this year. I did two nights in Dubai at the beginning of March came home and started hoarding groceries because the lockdowns were gonna happen a few days later. Wow. So, yeah, so yeah. Um, thankfully, I mean, there have been there have been some charity gigs, there have been some fundraisers and now I'm doing corporate gigs from home, which is nice. Um, which means that, yeah, I do, I, I get a paycheck and, it's, and I'm thankful, I'm really, really, really thankful that we can do that. The experience isn't quite the same. Uh, mm-hmm. As being in a room, whichever side of, of you know, of that orchestra pit you're on, whether you're in the audience or on stage. If there's nothing like being in a room and sharing, like, a heartbeat with however mm-hmm. many people in an audience. And that's just something so unique and special. Yeah, I miss singing with live musicians. Just miss the adrenaline rush of you know, of that downbeat of an overture and then stepping out and feeling ironically that so many eyes are on you, but it still feels like the safest place to be. Totally. It's yeah. So that's, I miss that. Cause right now singing in my living room into my iPhone, I mean, it's nice, but it's not the most ideal uh, mm. situation, but I'm, I'm grateful that I can sing at all and be able to still entertain people
3: virtual concerts are weird i've done four four now three of them at birdland and it's just so weird because you're just like you you have a set for like 50 minutes and i'm with my pianist so i've been doing this for for, for like three four years our our cabaret show together and you sing and then you're so used to like making conversation with the audience or like do like making a joke yeah. and them laughing and then you know it, it just feels more natural but now it's just weird and i i watched back the first one i did and i was just like the first time i did the end of the song i was like i was like wow this is fucking awkward i was like thank you so much for your applause thank you and i it was i i could see i was like i'm very i'm trying to navigate like how to like yeah. what to do it's very strange
0: it's hard but here's the thing i have watched a couple of online concerts and they know that their people are applauding for them because I'm in my pajamas. I'm, I've got my laptop like on my bed. I'm cross-legged. I'm watching and I'm cheering like crazy, like a crazy person by myself. So I think (laughs) knowing that that is what the response is going to be. And I mean, they're not going to tune into you if they're not going to Totally, or know that, or if, if they're like, nah, this is not even going to be my cup of tea, they won't even bother. But if there's a viewer that tunes in to watch you, I think you can trust that there, there is going to be a definite reaction and some sort of connection. So yeah, so yeah me on my bed knowing I'm going, whoa, this is amazing. <laughs> and I'm clapping and I'm screaming. And even though I'm by myself, knowing that that's exactly how I'm going to react when I see an artist that I love. Yeah. So I just have to, so when it's my turn to be, to shoot myself and do an online thing, if there's somebody tuning in, I have to trust that that's what the audience is going to do. So Mm. knowing that it's, it's comforting knowing that that's what's going to happen.
3: Yeah. That's nice. That's a nice thought. I do miss clapping
2: for people though, just to, as an audience member, I just want to yeah, show with, my with appreciation other, with other
0: people. Yeah. yeah. Cool.
2: <laughs> I wish they turn on the zoom screens at the, at the end of those and just be like, Oh,
0: here are all the people who are just watching you Here's some, here's some applause. Yeah. There was one gig I did that did that. Exactly that. Um, and you could, so you could actually like turn on your microphones and clap and then it's, it, it felt incredible because Aww, there a cool. lot of people. So, yeah. So, if they could do that at the end of like every concert or every streaming experience that you do, then that might actually help. Yeah. Because then you have an idea of just who's out there and how appreciative they are, which then makes the artists appreciate the process even more. It doesn't feel like you're performing in a vacuum. Yes.
1: Uh, Would you like to invite our viewers and our listeners to watch Shailo Rose on October 9th and plug anything and everything you have going on from here until, you know, the end of the year at least.
0: Okay, Eva, go. Uh, I have a
3: podcast. This is what you mean, correct? Did you sing plug? Okay. okay. I have a podcast called The Amarillo Project. It's on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, season two, our theme of season two will be announced in a week. And also, I'm on socials. I'm on Instagram under Livivia Maria and Twitter, and Eva Novozada. Other than that, I have nothing going on. We're very close to Christmas, you guys. And it's the, it's the the time of year where the line between the living and the dead is the thinnest. So please stop playing with Ouija board. That's not funny. You're really going to get possessed. Got to stop doing that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, to everybody watching, please come and see our film Yellow Rose. We open on October the 9th. Uh, please go to the goldopen.com and there should be links and a lot of buttons to lead you to uh, how you can buy tickets and you can even buy private screenings for, or larger groups. Um, please go check it out. Um, there should be a list of theaters there where the film is going to show. <laughs> um, we're trying to do, uh, we're trying to get the movie to be uh, number one in its opening weekend and I'm keeping my fingers crossed for it. Other than that, I bake a lot of bread. <laughs> <laughs> I bake a lot of sourdough, and I'm extremely proud of it. Um, one of my friends who went to culinary school, I gave him like a couple of loaves to try, and he was like, "This reminded me of something in san francisco da 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 wow. and I was like yeah that that i, I got it. it was a huge compliment so i'm i'm very I'm very pleased and so I've just been baking for my friends um and it's just been really therapeutic. So that's my quarantine skill. And I've been flexing it quite a bit. And I'm, yeah, I'm just getting through this quarantine sane. I have my oh. rabbit holes. I have my bread. got my family. I'm good. Surviving mm. is thriving. Oh, Leia, Amen. I have a question
2: for you. Um, when's okay. your Broadway's best great performances?
0: Oh, November 27. And that's going to be on PBS stations all over the country. That was um, my second engagement at the Sydney Opera House uh, we're with the Sydney Symphony my brother Gerard Salonga is our conductor and that was just such a good time It's there's so much musical theater and also a lot of pop music and I try my hand at singing some golden age stuff that's normally not in my voice but it's like what the hell let's just do it mm-hmm. and yeah just a lot of fun and I'm hoping that people tune in PBS on the 27th. Uh, That's Black Friday, I believe, the day after Thanksgiving.
1: Thank you both so much for joining us. It's always such a pleasure to see you both. You made me feel like it was back in the pre-pandemic days. And congratulations (laughs) on the film. It's beautiful and you're both great. And I hope to see you again very soon.
3: Thank you guys so much for having us. Thanks, everybody.
1: Have you interviewed Leia before?
2: Yes, I interviewed her when uh, she did Allegiance.
1: Oh. Was it for AT?
2: Yeah. Yeah,
1: Oh, that's pretty cool. I I, think, I don't think I read it. I'll go, I'll go find it. You should link to that.
2: Yeah. Well, it, it was about like how uh, white musical theater people are really obsessed with Asians, and they don't know how to write Asians correctly. But <laughs> Allegiance <laughs> was a step in the right direction. I'm looking forward to more, though. When I this is right. all over. Like the K-pop musical.
1: One of my favorite things about Leia is that... Have you seen Leia in concert? yes I have she does like pop covers and I mean like listening to Lea Salonga do Cold Plays like one of like the highlights of like my musical theater gay loving you know life
2: <laughs> yeah yeah I know I know and leia has been doing so much in Manila like she did a fun home and she did Sweeney Todd and I'm just like Broadway producers why are you keeping Lea Salonga away from us she's doing all this cool shit and you could have her do cool shit over here why you be so racist
1: yeah. Can you imagine, like, Leia Salonga's version of Days and Days? Like, I would, like, oh, like melt.
2: I, I just start crying. I know, right? Or Leia Salonga being a crazy Mrs. Lovett. Like, <laughs> I, I want more chaotic Leia Salonga. I feel like she doesn't get to do that enough, like she says. That would be good for me.
1: Yeah, she's always very wholesome, but now we know she bakes, so she would make a perfect Mrs. Lovett in, in the States. Thank you, Eva and Leia. Yellow Rose is out on october 9th and it has original songs can you imagine like if eva had to perform at the zoom oscars next year
2: she'd kill it because her home videos are shot very well but would like to see eva again in person yeah me too i do appreciate because this is her first film and now people can see how good she is you know, just, like, her face is just so expressive, and I don't think I've ever really appreciated it before because I'm always seeing her, like, from 10 feet away.
1: Oh, yeah, she's astonishing. Like, her voice is, like, incredible, but, like, her face is, like, wow. Uh, and you should also mm-hmm. go check out the episode that we recorded a few years ago with uh, Eva, where she was doing shows at the Green Room 42nd in New York City.
2: Our old interview with Eva, we actually interviewed her before she was cast in Hades Town, but she could not tell us she was cast in Hades Town, And... We didn't talk about Hades Town because we ran out of time. But next time, Eva, part three, we will get we will get there. We will talk about Reeve Carney. And if you enjoy this episode, we invite you to support us on Patreon. Jose and I edit and produce all of these ourselves, and it would be of great help to us to have some support in our project. If you become a Patreon supporter, you get a lot of goodies like our newsletter and extra bonus Q&As. Our Josh Groban Q&A, we had him singing a little bit for us, which all of our Patreon patrons could see. So if you want all of that, then we invite you to be a Patreon subscriber for as little as a dollar a month. And we also shout out... Our patreon patrons every episode so this week's shout out is to louisa lyons who is working on a database of stage musicals that have been legally filmed and publicly shared so visit filmed live and there's a podcast we love all theater podcasts and we love online theater so thank you louisa for this invaluable database thank you Anything else you want to say to the people?
1: Become about- a patron. Join our friend zone. We have some goodies coming up. And we love you for your support. And this is, what is it? This is like a 17th episode so far, right? And 18th. this Holy fuck.
2: I know. Quarantine goes fast. Right?
1: Three more episodes and we can drink.
2: Like we haven't already been drinking.
1: I know, right? this. I know. Yeah, yeah. Thank you and stay tuned next week. Because, oh my God, we know who we're talking to next week. And we're finally doing it. Can you believe that we've never had her here before?
2: Uh, no, I can't because I feel like I talk to her and about her every day, all the time. Yeah, yeah. Especially now, we need her now more than ever.
1: Ooh, that's a great teaser for like you're gonna have to stay tuned to find out who we're talking to next week. And until then, bye bye. <laughs>